1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 to 5. And I know I say this a lot, but this is going to be a different one. <laughs> says if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness he is proud knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words whereof cometh envy strife railings evil surmisings Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such, withdraw thyself. Now that's a mouthful. That's where we're going to start. My uh, title. I'm not the best with titles, as you know. It's just be content and fight. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to go through this bit of... Um, First Timothy, and hopefully it'll make some sort of sense. But uh, let's just pray um, before we go any further. Let God have His way and speak to us. Jesus, I thank you uh, for your presence that's here, Jesus. Your strength and your anointing, God. I pray that you would speak to us today through your through your Word, through your Spirit, Jesus. I pray let your will be done, God. I pray that you anoint my mouth to say what needs to be said, and our ears to hear it. In Jesus' name, God, I pray, help us to chase and follow after the right things. God, to be content, I pray. In the name of Jesus, God, we give you all the praise and glory. You're worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat if you want. Um, so I'm not sure if this message will fall under the preaching or teaching part. I don't know. More like teaching. We've been... Um, We've been hitting repent and salvation and getting ourselves right for a while pretty hard, and so this one's a little bit, a little bit different. Uh, it's not necessarily off from that, but maybe a different direction, I guess. Uh, if you're not familiar with the epistle to Timothy, or the epistles, uh, or with Timothy, he was a young preacher that that Paul kind of took under his wing as a mentor kind of relationship. Paul calls him his son in the faith, and we have two letters written to Timothy from Paul in our Bible, and they're full of practical, uh, practical type things for um, someone entering into ministry, um, things like how to pick deacons in the church, different roles of different people in the church, and warnings that not everyone's going to stick with this, so don't get too upset, because this happens, and um, things like that, refreshing the gospel message, how to be a good servant, of Jesus, how the church should act, um, talking about being used by God, stirring up gifts that have been put in us, being a good soldier, all these types of things that as someone who's entering into the ministry needs to, needs to get a hold of and understand. Um, it's part of a small group of books in the New Testament called the Pastoral Epistles. So First and Second Timothy and Titus, Paul wrote them to young ministers and teach them and show them what they need to do and things to work on. Um, and tucked into 1 Timothy, at the end of the letter, um, Paul gives Timothy a warning about another doctrine that he says people will preach. And he describes the people who will preach this doctrine, and he describes the results of it being preached and how we should 
react to that and what we should do. And now, Paul, many times, he's, he's warned churches and people about staying true to the real doctrine, the apostles' doctrine, doctrine of Jesus, and that sort of thing. He said about preaching the true gospel in Galatians 1 and 8, he said, But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. So Paul takes this very seriously, preaching the right things and believing the right things. And um, so it's something that uh, you know, the Bible takes seriously, it's something we should take seriously too. So we're going to take a, a few minutes and talk about another such doctrine that Paul warned Timothy about, and it's still going on um, today. And it's especially prevalent in the North American church. Uh, it's actually swept across the church and is being, being promoted just about everywhere. Uh, but yet, Paul warned Timothy uh, around 2,000 years ago that this is going to happen, this is going to be preached, this is going to be taught. And uh, you know what we say, peoples is peoples, same things is going on. Uh, so we're going to read it, we're going to read the English standard because I know when you were reading it in the King James at the time, it was like, what is all this thing? So we're going to read it a little bit clearer. Um, this part, it says, so verse 3 to 5, it says, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords or agrees with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He is an unhealthy, he has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among the people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. What is that doctrine at the end? He says, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. He says, if anyone teaches a different doctrine that doesn't agree with the words of Jesus, you know, what did Jesus teach? Things like, love your enemies, give your stuff away, um, be generous, love each other, the world's going to hate you, take care of each other, you can either serve God or money, be content with what you have, don't worry about materialistic things, remember all these, this is this kind of stuff that Jesus taught, you know, on top of salvation, repent, and uh, the kingdom of God, all that stuff, so these are the things that Jesus taught, and at the end of verse 5, Paul highlights what this false doctrine and teaching would focus on, and it says, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. So this teaching is, it's imagining that the living for God, the godliness, that living right and doing the right things is a means of gain or a way to get stuff. It's a means to get more stuff. So we live for God so we can get something else. That's what it's talking about. That's the thing that Paul warns Timothy about. And this isn't to say that God won't bless with stuff, because sometimes he does. But we don't live for God in order to get stuff. That's the difference. That's not what this is about. But the, the problem with this teaching and belief is that it sounds good. Someone gets up here and says, well, God loves you. He wants you to have all these things. Just give me 50 bucks. Right? We laugh. But that's what they do on TV literally every day. And everyone's eating it up. Right? Well, God loves you. He wants to have. He wants you to have some. So sow a seed, or whatever. I don't know. I don't watch it. It's nonsense. But that's what. It sounds good because yeah, God. He's my father. He wants me. Yeah, I might. I wouldn't want to give my kids stuff. God wants me. You know, it makes sense. It sounds. 
It sounds good, right? And so that's the problem is that it sounds good and that's how, that's how you get people to buy it. And so this is a doctrine that Timothy warns, or Paul warns Timothy about it. It's still a thing going on today. I've taught across churches and, and online and on your TVs if you have them. You know, it's everywhere. There's these guys that make millions and millions of dollars and doing it. And this idea that because God loves us, he wants us to have more stuff. And there's this teaching, and people against it call it the prosperity doctrine. But people, you know, the people teaching it will never say that. But there's this teaching that if we pray a certain way or we live a certain way or we do it right, God will just give us all the money we want, all the stuff we want. And if it doesn't happen, it's because you don't have enough faith or you just need to believe a little more or you need to give a little more to get a little more or whatever, however they say it. This is, this is the belief. He says, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. I, didn't, I don't think you expected this this morning, but this is where we're at. <laughs> imagining that godliness is a, is a means of gain. It goes against everything that Jesus taught and Jesus lived. He didn't have a house, let alone three or four. He didn't have the newest things. He didn't own a yacht to preach from. He borrowed P Peter's boat. He didn't even have a donkey to ride on. He borrowed that too. He didn't even have his own tomb. He borrowed that as well. Jesus is our example. And I'm not saying, whatever, go live on the streets. That's not what I'm saying. But this, if he's our example, you know, there's no one that was more godly than Jesus. Literally, he was, he was God. So this notion that if we just name it and claim it, God's going to give us this material thing, it's a bunch of nonsense. And Jesus is and has always been more concerned with our spiritual being. A spiritual man. He didn't die so we could have a nicer car. He died so our sins could be forgiven. But yet this idea has crept into churches. and Like if God really loves us, he will give us some costly things. And so Paul warns Timothy, beware of this stuff. We have... You know, preachers now with churches in the thousands, they're doing book tours and making millions of dollars and saying it's all a blessing from God. And if you believe it, you can have it too. Just so, like we said, sow a seed of faith. Give me some money. Mail it in. I'll send you a miracle. It's a little cloth or something. It's, it's a sham. And it even sneaks, I know we don't want to say it, but it can even sneak into our Pentecostal churches sometimes. And if we aren't careful, we can get caught up in it because, let's be honest, your flesh wants a nicer house or a nicer car or the new toy. We're more, we all want more money, generally. Nobody's like, yeah, I'll be poor, that'll be fine. Everybody wants more. This is part of being human. That's our flesh. That's what your humanity wants. Most of us do. But this isn't what following Jesus is about. Jesus said in Luke 14 and 33, So likewise... Whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all he hath cannot be my disciple. He said, if you can't give up everything you have, you can't be my disciple. Unless we're willing to give up everything, we can't be his disciple. And that's the opposite of follow me and get a bunch of stuff. Jesus taught the opposite of this. And so, you know, it's hogwash. Jesus wants you to be saved. Jesus wants you to have joy in the Lord not joy in the stuff. Yes, he will bless. Yes, he will provide. He says that. I'm not saying he won't. Neither was Paul, but his blessings aren't just these materialistic things. His blessings, more often than not, are spiritual. What are you going to tell, you know, this is how you believe. What are you going to tell Christians in poor places of the world? That God doesn't love them because they don't have 
stuff. You know, they don't have faith because they don't have a new car or any car at all. Or some days they don't even have food. What are you going to tell them? This is, if God loves us, this is what should happen, right? What are you going to say? If they don't have faith, then I'd argue that they have more faith because they're relying on him every single day to take care of them. So to imagine that godliness brings gain or stuff is wrong. And Paul describes the kind of preacher who preaches this sort of thing. He says, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words. So people, Paul says, people that preach this stuff, they're puffed up with conceit. They're full of themselves. Not God. They don't understand. They don't get it. And they also have an unhealthy appetite for controversy. I don't know if you've been around these kinds of people, but they like to argue. And God forbid you point out this stuff to them, uh, we're going to have a war. <laughs> they don't like to be told they're wrong. They don't want to hear it. And oftentimes I feel like they're above everything. Um, there's a, I'm not going to name names or anything, but there's this video I saw of this well-known preacher um, that preaches this sort of thing. He has his own private jet. Um, he's being interviewed by this woman, a young woman, and uh, he's a bit older. Um, she was asking him why, you know, he spends all this money on this little this jet that he has, why he's taking a private jet instead of flying with the people, uh, whatever. And uh, he justified it by saying that all the people on the airline were filthy sinners and devils, which is crazy, because that's what you're supposed to be, these are the people you're supposed to be trying to reach, and these are the people that Jesus would have sat in with. He said that, and then when the interviewer challenged him, he just snapped, and you could see this look in his eye, like, how dare you challenge me, because this is how people like this, as Paul says, they're controversial, they think they're above it, they don't really understand what's going on, how dare you? And this, this isn't right, this is, this is what Paul was warning Timothy about, the people that are like this, this is how they're going to be. And um, so if you're listening to other preaching and teaching, that's not for me, that's fine. But beware of these things. Be careful what you're listening to. Be careful what you're watching. Hey, I don't listen to me. I listen to some others because they're smarter than me. Or they're different than me. And I'm whatever. So, you know, but be careful what you're putting in into your, into your heart, into your spirit. And Paul also lists the results of such teachings and preachings, he says, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of truth. So if we are led to believe, if we are led to believe that God blesses the ones who he really loves with some stuff, and the rest of us slobs that have to struggle to pay bills or whatever, we're just lowlifes with no faith, we're just a mess, because that's what it's teaching. It's going to produce envy, it's going to produce hatred among us. It's going to produce slander and gossip and evil suspicions. It's going to be a constant friction. Why? Because there's this unrealistic pressure going on that, and, and we get jealous about it because, oh, you know, this person, they got this and I did it. So there must be something wrong with me. God must not love me as much. And then I get a little bit jealous about it because I don't know if you ever had children. They get jealous and fight with each other when one of them gets something the other one wants, and we're all children, <laughs> and when it happens, it causes this unnecessary friction, and that's how we think. Our natural reaction is to lash out another. It starts from Cain and Abel. Well, you chose his and not mine. You know how the story ends. 
That's how it's that's how we are. And, and I'm not saying that God doesn't bless us sometimes with these types of things, like I said, but that, that's not the goal of godliness. That's not why we live for him, to get more things. That's not the gauge by which we tell if God loves us. And then when this sort of thing is taught and believed, it causes all sorts of issues and drama among us. There's constant friction and competition and distractions from what the church is actually supposed to do. And the more we're fighting with ourselves, the less we're doing the will of God. So this is all part of you know, the, the enemy's strategy, I guess. And so a story, there was a, there was a preacher who's close in age to me and he and his family were moving and so they were selling all the stuff to make the move easier. And I remember looking at the stuff he was selling online and he would post the things that he had for sale and I was just thinking, man, that's some nice stuff. I can't even afford that stuff. And I found myself you know, like wishing I could and, and I caught myself for a second or two or maybe a couple days if we're being honest. I have to be honest. Feeling like maybe I wasn't as valuable to the kingdom as this guy was. Because he's got this stuff, and you know, God obviously blessed him more so than me in this that area. And maybe maybe I was a failure, maybe I wasn't blessed like he was. And, you know, we had the same education, the same family status, same amount of children, so we had the same amount of people to feed and bills and all that stuff. And you know, he had all this. Thing, all these things that I did in it. To be honest, I found myself a little bit jealous, and I've since worked it in with God. Don't worry, I'm not still upset about it. <laughs> so don't worry. Well, but this is what happens. We, if we're not careful, we can get caught up in this sort of thing. And when we see material things as the blessings that God gives, it can cause a lot of issues. It can cause some doubt in ourselves and some friction. It might even drive us away. And it can cause some jealousy in the long run harm our relationship with God and with each other. And this is what this doctrine does. Yeah. Except for the people at the top, they get all this stuff and so they keep preaching it because that's what it's all about to them. So stay away from this teaching, stay away from these types of people. And how do we, how do we counteract this type of false teaching? Because it slips in everywhere. I mean, I caught myself thinking like that. Um, it's one of the hardest things to avoid, I found, especially in the North American church, because we have people, it just creeps in, and like, oh, just, God bless me with this, and all. Oh, well, I want to, you know, it's just, you know what I'm saying. I'm not even finishing my sentences. Hopefully you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So what do we do instead? Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 6 and 6, so after he goes through all this stuff, he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So all of these other things, he said, that supposing godliness is, um, is a way to get things, supposing godliness is a gain, he says, that's not it. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So our gain, the thing we get from this walk with God isn't what these false teachers are saying. We don't live godly lives to gain stuff. Instead, our living a godly life with contentment is the gain. That's what we get. Godliness isn't a means of gain. Godliness isn't a way for us to gain stuff. Godliness and contentment is the gain. This is the thing we should be reaching for. See, God's not about um, giving us all this stuff because even if you have all this stuff, I don't know if you're, I haven't been in this position very often, but there's times when you, you get some things. And what does it cause you to do? Want more of the things. 
Right? Ecclesiastes 5 and 10 says, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver. Or he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. So the Bible tells us that the more you get, the more you're going to want. And so this is a, this is a problem. And so um, we will never be satisfied if we're try, always trying to get more stuff. And we're looking for these blessings that we say. We're looking for all these things. We're going to be trying to get more. We're living holier to get more things. It's going to be a never-ending cycle because you're never going to be satisfied with the stuff. Because you're always going to want more. So what we need to do instead, Paul says is be content. Be godly and content. Live right and be happy with what you have. That is the game. If you do that, you've gained more than the others. This is what we should be doing because it's not about stuff. It's about being content in Jesus. Verse 7 and 8 says, For we brought nothing into this world, and in a certain we can carry nothing out. And have and having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. You know, the whole, you didn't bring anything in, you're not bringing anything out. You know, that's in the Bible. So Paul says, you didn't come with anything. You aren't bringing anything. You aren't taking anything with you. So if you have food, if you have clothes, let's be content. There's so many issues that arise when we start desiring or chasing other things. There's a reason why thou shalt not covet is in the Big Ten. Commandments. It's a big deal. For whatever reason, it's the one that we don't ever address very often because it's one of those things that it's easier for us to hide because it's inside. You can't really see it. It's an internal thing that no one else really sees and no one else really knows about unless we, we talk about it and we make it open and we, you know, you're always talking about, I need to hear more stuff, you know, than, than we know. But it's generally something that no one else can see and covetousness can destroy you. Because you'll never be happy. You'll never be content. You'll, ne you'll always be um, miserable. If we aren't honest with ourselves and with Jesus, well, that's, that's where we're going to find ourselves. And we are, we're going to be missing out on a lot of the stuff. There always, even people talk about heaven. What do they talk about? Oh, the streets are gold. We're going to have a mansion. And like, we're still focused on the stuff. Oh, everything I want, blah, blah, blah. All that, you know, I've heard people go on about it and that's what they preach. I was like, yes, I want a mansion. Like, that's not what it's about. We're focused on the stuff and the whole point is Jesus. If we have Jesus, we have enough. So Paul says, be content with what you have. If you got food and got clothes, that's enough. Be content. And in case you weren't sure if Paul lived this, because, you know, sometimes people get up and they say things and then they go do something else. But Paul lived this, right? So, um... Philippians 4, 11 to 13, he says, Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. So whatever state I find myself in, I've learned to be content. I know how to be both abased, you know, below. I've learned how to abound, have some stuff. And you know, everywhere in all the things I am instructed to be both full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then there's a verse that's probably the most taken out of context in the Bible. Maybe second behind, judge not. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. This is what he's talking about. These, I can do this. I can go through whatever comes my way because Jesus gives me strength. Paul says, I've learned in whatever state I am, wherever I find myself, if I'm poor, if I've got a lot of stuff, if I'm hungry, if I've just come from the Chinese buffet, and I'm full. Remember those? I can't do them anymore. Those are fun. 
you're hungry a little again later, but <laughs> if you ever been to one, you know both of these things. But you know, if I'm full, if I'm if I'm hungry, if I have a lot, if I'm needing something, I've learned how to be content. How? Because I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Jesus gives me the strength to be content with whatever situation I find myself in. Jesus can teach us how to be content, but it might be a hard lesson for some of us, but it's an important lesson to learn. Paul learned it by going through it. Having stuff, not having stuff. Being full, being hungry. By leaning on Jesus, that's how he learned it. It's amazing um, when you lose some things. Um, it's amazing when you find out how much stuff you don't need. Or have you ever moved and you're packing stuff and like, what is all this? Maybe some of us don't move because <laughs> so much stuff. My uncle had a, he was, my uncle used to go to auctions and see like one thing in a box and just buy the box and then stuff it in the barn. And then he moved. <laughs> he just left it all and moved to another house this barn full of stuff. No, no there's no one like that here. <laughs> It's amazing how much of that stuff you don't really need. Paul says you got food, you got clothes, you got your basic necessities. You can be content. And um, back to AIM again. The apartment we stayed in, we were going to stay in, was furnished. So we didn't need to bring or buy furniture. We didn't need to bring any of the kitchen stuff because it was already there for us. And so we packed everything for five of us in three big suitcases. We were allowed two each, but we were like, no, we're not dragging that many through the airport. We're going to take these three suitcases, I think, right? Three big suitcases. We had, we had two that we had, and my sister-in-law let me this hot pink one with Hawaiian print. And make flowers on it. She's like, it's good to have because you know it's yours. When you see them on the belt, you know it's yours. And I'm like, okay. So we had the boring gray ones and this hot pink one. And we, that's all we had. We, had um, we brought all our clothes that we needed. You don't need winter clothes, obviously, so the clothes are smaller then normal. Um, we had like all the toiletries we needed. We had blankets, towels, books, all this stuff in three suitcases. The kids had a little backpack each with some snacks and some books and some things to play with on the plane. They had a little tiny, you know, little kids carry-ons like this big with their um, stuffed animals and some toys, whatever. And that's it. We each had a backpack. I got to carry all the electronics. I don't know what you have. Diapers or something, fun like that. So that's what we did. And we had a picture of everything, like all lined up on, on we put on Facebook as we're leaving or whatever, and there's a missionary, and she was like, what, that's incredible. And so miraculously, we went, and we were fine, and we were actually, like, our kids were the happiest they've ever been. I've never been happier, I can't stop talking about it five years later, as you've noticed. We made it, no problem, we actually <laughs> brought some things that we didn't even need. We could have made it with two and a half suitcases. We probably could have left the pink one behind. I don't know. We, we, we made it, and it was actually, it was fine. We didn't need all the stuff that we left at home, and then we got home, and it was all there again. But our response, so our response to this false teaching that you need all this stuff, or God doesn't love you, our response is to be content with what we have. Because if we don't learn to be content, Paul says, um, verse 9 to 10, but they that will be rich, so people that are just desiring to be rich and searching after, after this, they fall into temptation and a snare into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. And he says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after have erred from the faith 
and they left the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So if we desire and strive for stuff and things and more and more, if that's what we're looking for, if that's why we come to God, if that's why we live for God, is to get more stuff, we will fall into, into temptation and snares. We will find ourselves in destructive places. The English Standard says, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. So God doesn't want us chasing these things. It's okay to have stuff. It's okay to be blessed in that way, if you want to say it like that. It's okay. But it's not okay to be driven by it, to lust after it, and to strive after it, because it will destroy you. The love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself. We need money to pay the bills. We need money. You know, we give money every month to missionaries, and we hear these reports, and if it wasn't for people giving money, this wouldn't happen. You know, we need money to pay the light bills and that dumb ball keeps going out. We need to replace that. But we need money. We need money for this stuff. You know, money isn't what's evil. It's the love of it. It's the constant pursuit and the coveting and all of that. That's what the issue is. It's it's not okay to be driven by it, to lust after it and strive after it because it will destroy you. Putting it in the place of God is what the issue is. And you can say what you want, but if you're serving God to get the blessings, then you aren't serving God. You're serving the stuff. Because once the blessings stop coming, you'll be gone too. The English Standard says it's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. When people go chasing other things, they leave Jesus. When people go wandering after other ideals and stuff, they end up hurting themselves. It's a self-inflicted wound. And I'm not saying that having money or stuff is evil because in verses 17 to 20 later, he tells us that if we have stuff, not to trust it, but to trust God instead and to share what we have. And by doing so, we lay up a good foundation. And so... The whole point of this rambling is to be content with what we have. Be content. And how do we be content? How do we avoid this snare and trap? Verse 11 says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Run from these things. And follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. He says, flee and follow after, or flee and pursue. That's what the word means. The best way to avoid something, I'm going to blow your minds here. We haven't had that in a week. The best way to avoid something, you ready? You want to know? Is to run as far away as you can. Right? Want to avoid a fight? Run. <laughs> want to avoid your wife when you... Made her a little angry? <laughs> Gotta go to the store for something. Well, they didn't have it. You want to avoid something? You run. Find yourself in a bad situation. What do you do? You run. You want to avoid the bills? <laughs> you run away. If we're going to avoid getting caught up in all of these things, this false doctrine, this chasing stuff, um, chasing status, this love of money, this greed, this temptation and snare, this, 
idea that godliness is a means of gain, if we're going to avoid all the envy and the slander and the suspicions and the friction and all that stuff that comes with believing this, we need to run away from these things, Paul says. And we do that by running somewhere else, by turning to Jesus. When we do that, you know how you guessed it, repentance. <laughs> And with Jesus, it's never, it's never enough just to run from something. We also run to something. Or as Paul says, follow after something else. Follow after means pursue. And it's a word that in the, in the Greek, it's, it means to aggressively follow or chase something. Like a hunter chasing after their prize. Like a lion after a gazelle or one of you guys after that moose. I don't know. Like a hunter chasing a, a prize. Aggressively pursue and follow. So not only are we to flee from these wrong things, but we are to aggressively chase after with the intent to capture. Not just follow it like one of those private eyes lurking in the, the background, reporting back. Ooh, like a creep or something. But to aggressively pursue it with the intent to capture and the intent to get it. What? Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. These are the things we're supposed to pursue. These are the things we're supposed to possess. Not more stuff or status or whatever. But these are the things we are to gain. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. And if you're chasing something else, you're going the wrong direction. Verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed the good profession for many witnesses. Paul says to flee these things, follow after, what was it, righteousness, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. And then he says, fight the good fight. Do you think these things might be connected? Perhaps we fight the good fight of faith. Perhaps we lay hold on eternal life. Perhaps we're a good witness by pursuing after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. That's how we fight the good fight. This is how we're supposed to live, not chasing stuff, being content with the physical that we have and chasing the spiritual things. This is the fight of faith. This is, a, this is the daily struggle to be content, to be fine with what we have, to not go chasing after new things. This is a fight of faith. This takes faith to daily get up and to chase after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. This is how we fight the good fight when we, we flee the flesh and we chase the spirit and if we aren't doing that then we're going to have to do that are you aggressively chasing after righteousness, godliness, faith, love patience and meekness are we daily trying to be more righteous are we daily trying to be more godly or more faithful or more loving or more patient or more meek this is the struggle this is the daily battle 
And it will never be one if we're chasing after the flesh. It'll never be one if we see God as a way to get more stuff. It'll never be one if we're pursuing these other things because we're going to find ourselves conflicting with each other and envious and jealous and upset. And these aren't the things we're supposed to be chasing after. We'll never be, we'll never be one this battle if we chase after the flesh. We are people of the Spirit. So we need to chase after the spiritual. Let's stand. I know this is a bit different probably than what you expected. We're going to take some time this morning. We're going to pray for uh, a few things. We're going to pray that God would help us to be content with what we have. I know it's hard. If you've got the internet, you've got social media and you've got your friends showing all the things they got my friends like they're all buying new houses and redoing them and getting all this stuff and going on vacations now not wearing masks <laughs> got all this stuff going on and it's easy to look at that and be jealous it's easy to look at that and get a little bit upset and why is this whatever So let's pray that Jesus would help us to be content. And um, would it be church if we don't take time to repent? If we're chasing the wrong thing. If we find ourselves, if any of the stuff that we've talked about today has you know, spoken to you, or maybe, this, maybe I've been doing this, maybe I got caught up in this, and we can repent if we're chasing the wrong things. And make up our mind as we're praying that we're going to pursue the right thing. We're going to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, and prayer daily. So let's take some time this morning. Let's pray for these things. Pray that God would help us be content, repent of our chasing the wrong things. And as we pray, let's pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Be content with what you have and fight a good fight of faith. Amen. Let's pray together. In Jesus' name.